Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Amazing. Well, how are you doing this morning, church? You all right? Amazing. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Mason. I'm one of the pastors here at Resound. We're going to take a few moments just to come around the Word of God this morning, and I'm going to do my best to... Uh, unpack and give you a few thoughts on a uh, parable, a story that Jesus told in the book of Matthew. Um, The story he told came after a time that he had gone into the temple. Uh, When he went into the temple, the temple and the motives behind the temple had completely shifted Um, from what they were supposed to be. And the motive of the temple had shifted into different things, ungodly things, and there was no fruit being produced at the temple. And so it's kind of a famous story, but if you don't know it, Jesus walks into the temple, he sees the motive behind everything that is happening, and he flips up the tables and he drives everyone out of the temple. The reason why I say it was the motive, not necessarily everything that they were doing, is because the Scriptures say that they were selling doves uh, in the temple. But selling doves in the temple was actually quite a normal thing at the time because what they came up with, if you couldn't afford a sacrifice, a lamb or something like that, for the people that were really, really struggling, the temple would provide doves as an acceptable sacrifice for the sin. But what most scholars believe what was happening is people were just like, well, that's way cheaper than giving one of my lambs up. And so people were then just using this option and essentially they were selling cheap grace at the temple to everyone. The motive had shifted. The motive in the hearts of the people had shifted. Instead of God bringing you, instead of bringing God uh, their best, they would just bring God what was the cheapest. And so the motive had switched from godly things. So Jesus comes in, he flips the temple up, he drives everyone out of the temple. Then as he's walking along the road, he walks past a fig tree. The fig tree's not bearing fruit, so he curses the fig tree. Uh, that is an imagery of the temple, the temple not producing the fruit that it's supposed to do, and he curses it uh, forever. Then we find Jesus with his disciples, and he's being confronted with who? Who do you think, if you've gone in, just teared up the temple and dr- driven everybody out of the temple, who do you think is going to come and see you? All the leaders of the temple, the religious leaders, the elders of the temple, uh, the Pharisees, which kind of makes sense. So they come and find Jesus. They begin to question Jesus about who, who are you? What's your authority? Who gave you the authority? to do that? They start to question Jesus, which is kind of understandable, right? And then Jesus starts to tell them stories starts to tell them parables. And the parable that I want to look at is the last parable that he tells them that's come to be known as the parable of the wedding banquet. Uh, Why tell stories? Well, rabbis, it's not a new thing. Jesus didn't come up with telling parables or stories. It was a thing that teachers would do at the time because they had worked out if you just give someone information, and it's true today, if you just give someone information, they can choose whether or not they listen to that information and 
let it change something inside of them. But if you give them a story that's a bit of a riddle, that's a bit of a mystery, and they have to go deep into the story, they have to go away, they have to search their minds, search the Scriptures, and find the meaning for the story. When they come to the revelation of what the story means, it's much more likely to, uh, they're much more likely to not only retain the information, but actually because it's become a revelation for it to actually shift and change something in their life. And so that's why Jesus tells stories. That's why he tells parables. That's why, uh, you know, the rabbis and the teachers at the time would tell stories and parables. This story, however, is not one of Jesus's, um, for lack of a better word, nice parables. He's got some nice ones, you know, the lost lamb, the lost coin, the lost son. They kind of end nicely and they're about people coming to know Jesus. But this is not necessarily uh, a nice one. This is a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard lesson to learn. The reason is, to give you a lens before we read the scriptures, who this is being read to, this is religious leaders. This is uh, people who claim to follow Jesus. So this, or not follow Jesus, to follow God. So this isn't a, um, this isn't like a, you know, this isn't the, the quote unquote sinners. This isn't the people that don't have a faith in God. This isn't all those kind of things that Jesus would sit at the table and show grace for and all that kind of stuff. This is people who claimed that they believed in God and followed God. These were quote unquote believers at the time. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're one who puts your faith in Jesus, then I think that this parable is more applicable to you this morning than it is necessarily to someone who doesn't have faith because that was the lens in which we should read it because that's who he was speaking to. And I'll be straight up with you this morning. Some of the things that are in this parable are a hard lesson to learn. But sometimes the hardest lessons to learn are the most valuable. Sometimes the hardest lessons to learn are the most valuable. Like when I got married, I learned a very hard lesson early. I, um, my beautiful wife, Jess, who's down there with my two beautiful children. She, um, when we first got married, and I'll help some young guys out who are looking to get married this morning. or um, Yeah, this morning. We can get married this morning. There's enough pastors here. But so this is basically the lesson that I learned. If you are waiting in the car for your wife uh, and you are late, don't honk the horn continuously to tell her to hurry up. It was a hard lesson I learned, but it was a valuable lesson because now there's much more peace when we go to events. It just means that we're late most of the time, which is fine. <laughs> I may be learning another hard lesson right now on the stage, but it is a... It's a hard lesson to learn. So let's, uh, let's read the, the parable this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 22. If you don't have something to read it, it'll be up on the screen. Um, here it is. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited um, to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he said, sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest of them seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army to destroy those murderers and burn their 
cities. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go out into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people that they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to, the, to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get into the wedding without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. So the king told his attendants to tie him up hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Some translations will say many are called but few are chosen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray that as we come around it this morning, that anything that's of me would fall to the ground, but anything that's of you would pierce the hearts of everyone listening. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. So let's start from the beginning. The king is God the Father. He's the king. In case you haven't picked that up, he's the king. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the creator of the universe. He's high and exalted. He is above all else. The son who he's throwing the wedding banquet for is Jesus. So you have the king, the father, you have the son who there is a wedding banquet, and then there is an invitation that goes out to every single person on earth, the good and the bad. And the invitation goes out because the father is reconciling the world, humanity, through the Son, back to Himself. And so you have to ask yourself the question, okay, I get that. The King is the Father in heaven. The Son is Jesus. And it's through His wedding um, that we come into reconciliation with Christ. And so I get that. So then let's define what the invitation actually is, right? Because there's an invitation that goes forth. There's an invitation to the wedding banquet, right? And, and the invitation to the wedding banquet, weddings and marriage is used as an imagery all through the Bible uh, in terms of us being reconciled with God. We see this imagery of a groom and a bride, especially with the church. Jesus is the groom and he is coming back for his bride. We see that imagery all through the Bible. And the imagery is one of reconciliation and one of redemption. The fact that we are lost, that we rebelled against God, that we have been separated from God, but through the son, through the groom, God is bringing his children, his bride back to him Self through the Son. It is a message of reconciliation and redemption. And so the invitation that goes out is one of reconciliation with the King. The invitation that goes out to each and every one of us today is one of reconciliation with God the Father, your Creator, the one that knows you more than uh, you know yourself, the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. It, it is a reconciliation with, with, with God, coming back to God. So then we can ask ourselves the question, okay, well, what does reconciliation mean then? What does reconciliation and redemption actually mean when it comes to coming to know Jesus? Well, the truth of the matter is, or coming back to God, it means a lot of things. And we could spend, you know, if you've got two hours, we could go through all the ins and outs and all the scriptures of like what that really means. It's actually pretty incredible and remarkable what our God has done when he reconciled humanity to himself through the cross. There's a lot. And we could, we could see it for two hours, we wouldn't even do it justice. But let me just give you four uh, quick little pillars 
of what reconciliation was, what this invitation actually is. The first and foremost, I think, that the invitation is an invitation to forgiveness. It's an invitation to be forgiven. There's a scripture that's got to think of Romans, if you want to throw that up. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are uh, justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. Can you throw the next scripture up as well, the one that was after that? Colossians 1.13 says this, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And so reconciliation with God is first and foremost a call to forgiveness. Through Christ, He has forgiven you. What we need to have as believers is, and non-believers alike, is to have a repentant moment where we understand that there is nothing that we could do in and of ourselves. We, do, we can't earn it. We couldn't work hard enough. We couldn't be good enough to measure back up to God. For we rebelled as humanity against God. We have been separated from God. And there is nothing that me and you could do in and of ourselves to reach the standard of God again. For the Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, each and every one of us. And there's nothing we can do to reach that place again. We are all in need of forgiveness. And so what we need to do as believers, as non-believers alike, is to have a repentant moment. Repentance means, in the Greek, metanoia, means to change your thinking. So we all need to hear the message of Jesus, that there is no way that we can come into grace, into righteousness, into right standing with God without Jesus. We have a change of thinking that says, do you know what, Jesus? I actually need you. I cannot do this thing by myself. I cannot shake myself free of the sin. Because even if you were really, 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 really good and you never committed a sin again, that doesn't get rid of sin. Because the Bible says that we are born into sin. And so the first thing that reconciliation is, is the understanding that each and every one of us need Jesus, need God, and through Jesus, we have found forgiveness for our sins. And so the invitation that goes out from the King this morning to each and every one of us is one of forgiveness. What it also is, I think, one of the other pillars of reconciliation, I think, is it's a call to friendship. It's a call to friendship with God. Can we put the next scripture up? Look, Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends, as friends. I think it's pretty incredible, pretty remarkable, pretty amazing that the God of the universe, this all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, creator of you and I, creator of the universe wants to walk with you and I in the cool of the day, wants to know you that He actually calls you friend. When we come back into a relationship with God, when we respond to the invitation of the King, He actually no longer calls you a stranger, but He calls you friend. When me and Jess got married, we, um, 
lived in different states when we met. And then we met in a different state. We lived in different states. We grew up in different parts of Victoria. And we got married quick because we're Christians and we wanted to stay saved. And so we got married quick. And so there wasn't heaps of time to meet each other's friends and all that kind of stuff. And so we were kind of all over the place. And and then we got married here in Melbourne. And when we got married in Melbourne, there was probably at least 20% of the people at my wedding that I hadn't even met yet because they were friends of Jess's. And the same as Jess, there was a lot of people that she hadn't even met yet because they were friends of mine. Even some of our family hadn't even, hadn't even met yet. It was kind of like this thing that like everyone was like, and it was like, oh, these kind of strangers at my, at my wedding. But they weren't strangers to Jess, but they were strangers to me. But once the celebration started and we started eating and we started dancing and we started celebrating, instantly a friend of Jess's became a friend of mine. A friend of mine became a friend of Jess's. Why? Because they were at our wedding. And so who do you invite to wedding? You invite family and you invite your friends and you invite whoever your grandma says that you need to invite. (laughs) And so... At our wedding, they were strangers, but when they came to the wedding and there was celebration at the wedding, they were no longer strangers, but they were friends, instantly friends. I was hugging people. I don't even know you, but you're my friend. It's amazing. People congratulating me. I don't know, but instantly they become friends. That's a, that's a picture of what it's like with God. As soon as we respond, you may be a stranger of God. You may be an enemy of God, but as soon as we respond to the invitation of God, He calls you friend. It's a call to friendship. The other thing it's called to, even further than friendship, it's called, it's a, there's a call to family. You put the next scripture up. It's a call to family. The Bible says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. That's redemption there. That's reconciliation. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God has adopted you and I into his family. So no longer when you respond to the invitation of God, not only do you receive forgiveness of your sins and right standing before God, not only does the God of the universe calls you friend, but he takes it one step further and he adopts you into his family as a son, as a daughter, no longer an enemy, no longer a stranger, no longer even just a friend, but a son and a daughter who always has a seat at the table. For you are a son and for you are a daughter. For when we, you know, go to the, the, the wedding banquet, we come as strangers maybe, we respond as enemies maybe, but then we're instantly called friend, but not even just friend. Instantly the robe is hung on you and you are seated at the place of honour as a son and as a daughter. The last one is this, it's actually... And this is the part in reconciliation I think sometimes we leave out, but it's actually a call to partnership as well. If you want to put the last scripture up, it's actually called to partnership as well. So it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation and the new creation has come. That's talking of you being now a son and a daughter. You are no longer your past and your sin and all that kind of stuff, but you are a new creation, born, uh, uh, come from the first the firstborn of the new creation, who is Jesus. So you are now a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Uh, all this is from God, whom reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the 
ministry of reconciliation. Do you hear that? He gave you and I the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore ambassadors as through God, uh, we're making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Don't you love that? We implore you, be reconciled with God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a great scripture, isn't it? And check this, this is how cool the Bible is. When you respond to the invitation that the king puts out, not only are you forgiven, not only does he now call you a friend, not only does he adopt you as sons and daughters into his family, but now he partners with you. And here's the crazy thing. In the story of the wedding banquet, when we accept the invitation of the king, you and I become the servants that he sends out to the people with the invitation, the invitation of reconciliation. So you and I, when we respond, then partner and become the very servants that Christ sent out to give the invitation in the first place. God's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And so that's what the invitation is. There is an invitation. And it's put to all of you this morning. In the first part of this parable, we see those who were invited. He's talking about the Jews, the chosen people of God. He's saying, you guys have been invited. He gives them a second chance. And then the message then goes out to all the world. For it is God's desire that everybody would come to know him. And so when he's talking about those who were invited, he's talking about the Jews, the Israelites, they were invited, they've rejected, they're rejecting Jesus at the moment. That's what he's trying to get, get through to the Pharisees. You guys are actually rejecting God, the one who is inviting you. And so now the message is going to go out, and I love it, because it says the message is going to go out to the good and to the bad. And that means every single person here, whether you think that you're good and you're like, oh, I'm all right, I've got it all together. Or whether you think that, man, I've got some history, some some past, some stuff I'm dealing with, all this stuff. The message of reconciliation, the invitation of the wedding banquet has gone out to the good and the bad. God's that good. It goes out to the good and the bad. Throughout the rest of the story, we actually see three different ways that people reject that invitation though. And these might be the hard lessons to learn today. Because again, he's not talking to people who had no faith. He's talking to people who had faith and claimed to follow God. But there's actually three ways throughout this parable that Jesus tells that you can reject uh, the call of God. First way is to just say no. That's the simplest. That's the straightest to the point. Uh, that's just, they just didn't come. They just said, no, we're not coming. They heard the message, they heard the gospel, they heard the good news, and they just said, no. That makes sense, right? That's no. But that is not the only way that people reject the invitation. And so this is where the hard lessons come in because often we think, well, I haven't said no. And so we just say, no, like no. They just say no. But then the second way, it says that one just went to his field and another back to his business. Can I put to you this morning that I think that that is talking about priorities? 
When things are prioritized above the invitation, when things are prioritized above your relationship with God, when things are prioritized and you get so busy and so caught up and so distracted that you forget every day that we should be responding to the invitation of God. And it's not that God has, we have to do it for God to save us every day, for we are saved by, by our faith through grace and who the sun sets free is free indeed. But it's to have an attitude, a priority in our life to wake up every day and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness today. I'm gonna walk in it. Jesus, I'm a friend of yours today. Not only am I a friend, I'm a son of yours today. And Jesus, I'm partnering with you in the work of reconciliation. Would you send me? No matter what you do in life, no matter what your work looks like, that is the attitude. That is the priority. That every morning, the first thing we do, we say, Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness. I'm going to need it today, I'm sure. Lord, I thank you for your friendship. Let me walk with you, talk with you today. I thank you that I am a son and I am a daughter, that all authority has been given to me. And Lord, I thank you that I'm partnering with you to bring about the work of reconciliation in this world but some went to their fields and some went to their businesses. It's very easy to hear something like that and just be like, that's it, I quit. I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna quit my thing. I'm gonna go on a crusade, Brian Hard Bonky style, and I'm just gonna go nuts and say, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you what has the priority in your life is Christ and His reconciliation and His redemption and your relationship with Him the number one priority in your life. I'm not telling you to quit your job. If you're like, oh man, I'm gonna quit my job. Read 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. They were obsessed with Jesus returning and they wanted to quit their job and they were quitting all their jobs because they're like, Jesus is gonna come back. What's, what's, the, what's the matter? And it's addressed directly in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. And he basically says, listen, to work is holy. Keep working all the day. As you see the day coming, keep working. To work is holy. And then he says, really practically, if you don't work, you won't eat. So I'm not telling you not to work and I'm not telling you just, oh, I'm gonna quit it all. I'm gonna... But what I am saying is that, is there a, what's the priority of your relationship with God? Are we waking up every morning and responding to him in the way that we should? Thank you for your, which is really just thankfulness. Thank you for all you've done in my life. Let me partner with you this morning in the work of reconciliation. I'm almost done so the band can come back up. The last way is, um, that most interesting because we see the message go out and then we see people respond and come to know Jesus. And then we um, see that the king walks in and he sees someone in, not in wedding clothes and he questions him and then he throws them out into the darkness where there's gnashing of teeth and all that bad stuff. He throws them out. Now, that's harsh, right? Let's just address the elephant in the room. It seems harsh, right? It's like he made it. He, he came all the way and all of a sudden he ties him up and he, and he throws him out. And, and it seems harsh and it's always seemed harsh to me. Uh, and I think I've told this, potentially this illustration before, but it's always seemed harsh to me. And then I married um, this couple, uh, it would have been a few years ago now. And um, at the rehearsal, we were standing there and the bride was talking to her dad and her bride, the bride was saying to her dad, now dad, please listen to me. Listen to me, right? I already know that's my daughter's got an attitude like that. But she's like, please just listen to me. Dad's like looking around like, how good is this? It's gonna be exciting, ah, like all dad. 
And he's like, don't just listen to me. She says, tomorrow, what I want you to wear, black shoes, black socks, black pants, black belt. Don't wear a brown belt, black belt, white shirt. Can I wear my floral one? No, plain white shirt, black tie, black blazer, white pocket square, your good black watch and please do your hair. That's a pretty normal request. So he was like, please wear this. He's joking, I'm joking with him. I said, alternatively, you just wear trackies and a singlet, you'll be fine. And he laughed and was like, oh, and she stared at me. Almost didn't do the wedding after that, but she stared at me and she said, don't, because he might. And I was like, no, nah, he's not gonna, he's your dad, he's not gonna. Anyway, so I walk out. It's the day has come. They're excited. I go out to just to see if they're all good before I pronounce them and bring them, bring the bride in and just to see if they're all good. And the dad is wearing exactly what she said. Exactly what she said. They said to the bride, look, it looks pretty good, huh? She just looks at him smiling, beams to face and he goes, he looks so handsome. She gives her dad a hug and he kisses her on the forehead. And she was just so happy that he wore the right clothes. And then I remember after that exchange, reading this parable again, and I remember, you know, kind of it coming to the forefront of my mind and having this revelation that if the dad didn't wear what she had asked him to wear, that would have been the biggest insult to her, to the bride. It would have been the biggest insult to the host of the wedding. And then I understood something. To not wear wedding clothes to a wedding is an insult to the host. Which means this, to not respond fully with your whole life down to every detail, every part of your life that you don't wanna give up, every issue that's going on that you decide you just wanna hide away from God. To not respond with your whole life is actually an insult to the grace of God and the mercy that has been showed to each and every one of us. For For not to wear wedding clothes to a wedding is to insult the host. And so where do we go from here? My challenge to you, and only you and God can work out this, but have you responded fully, 100%, as Romans says, is your life a living sacrifice to the one that you call Lord? For we should give Him every area of our life, but not this part's too painful. Don't give it to Him. But not that part, no, give it to Him. He can have this, but He can't have this because I get it. No, give it to Him. For not to respond fully with our whole lives is to insult the grace and the mercy that Christ has shown to us. And so we should respond fully to the message of reconciliation this morning. The last part of the scripture, he says this, many are called, but few are chosen. I used to always read that scripture and just be like, God, uh," you know, when I got saved, I wanna be chosen, God. I wanna be chosen, God. Would you choose me, Lord? I wanna be chosen. Make me chosen. I want to be chosen. I want to be one of those ones to be chosen. We all do, right? You read the, the, the alternative of not being invited or not being chosen. You don't want the gnashing of teeth thrown in the darkness, all that stuff. So we're all like, God, we want to be chosen. I want to be chosen, God. Please choose me. It was kind of like how I pr- proposed to my wife. Like, please just choose me. Choose me, please, please. And she said, yes. And I was like, yeah, amazing. But I was like, choose me. It's like, I want to be chosen. But in the context of the Scripture, those who are chosen are those who said yes. Those who are chosen are the ones who responded with their whole life, 100% to the invitation that was put forth to them by the King. 
And so let me, let me tell you this. Say yes to forgiveness. For it is freely available for you this morning. For what Christ has done through the cross for you is freely available for you this morning. You don't have to stay in your guilt. You don't have to stay in your shame. You don't have to stay in, in, in sin. But you can receive forgiveness this morning. For Christ paid it all on the cross. You can receive forgiveness this morning. Respond to it with your whole life. You can receive friendship this morning. You feel lonely. God doesn't promise to make your life perfect, but He does promise that you'll never have to do it alone ever again. You can receive friendship this morning. For the God that we serve is not one that just sits on His throne and sits back, but but wrapped Himself up in flesh and blood and comes down. And in Revelation says, if you answer the door, I will come in and sit with you as a friend. And He always shouts because He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's a friend. Respond to His friendship this morning. Walk with Him in the cool of the day. Speak to Him, talk to Him. He wants to know you. You know what else you should respond to this morning? The adoption. Being a son and a daughter. That is your new identity. You're born again. Your new new DNA. Not born from a corruptible seed, but born from the incorruptible seed of the second Adam. For Christ is the firstborn of the new creation. You are a son. You are a daughter. Respond to that with your whole life. Walk, talk, act like a son of the King, act like a daughter of the King. That's where your identity comes from. The last one is this, that we should partner with the work of reconciliation in this world, no matter what you do. No matter what you do in this world, every day we should walk up and say, Jesus, could you help me to partner? with the work of reconciliation so that you become the servants who go out and bring the invitation and bring the invitation. One of the principles they would teach young Hebrew boys when a rabbi was teaching a parable to help them to understand the parable, what they would do is they would say, um, look for who you are in the parable and start there. So parables and stories were told for identification, not just for content. We watch stories and listen to stories today for content. We watch Avengers, Lord of the Rings, Ahsoka, Star Wars, just to just be entertained. But um, back then, stories weren't that. You had to identify yourself in the story. Who am I in the story? So I'll finish like this. Who are you in the story? Who are you in the wedding banquet? And we should respond, no matter who we are, with our whole lives, every day that we wake up. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? We're just going to pray. The band's just going to sing a song, just because I want to give you a moment, just to, you know, turn your heart towards Jesus. You're a friend of God. Have a conversation with Him. If you don't know Jesus, you haven't responded at all to the invitation, now is the time as the, as the band plays between you and God, I would respond to the invitation. How do I respond to the invitation? You just say yes. Yes, Lord, I respond to your forgiveness. Yes, Lord, I respond to your, your friendship. Yes, Lord, I respond to being a son and a daughter of yours. And God, would you help me to partner with you in this world? Say yes. No matter who you are in the story, you could say yes today.
You can say yes to the invitation today. You can come back into right standing with God today. You could say yes today. And so as the bears uh, sings this morning after I pray, why don't you just worship? Why don't you just spend a moment with God at the start of your week? Why don't you come and step into forgiveness, step into friendship, step into family and step into partnership again this morning? Come on, would you close your eyes right across this place? Would you lift your hands as we pray? Lord, we thank You. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy, Jesus. We thank You for Your forgiveness, Your friendship, Your adoption, Lord, Your partnership, Jesus. We thank You that You're a good God, that You're a great God, the Creator of the universe, lifted on high, who wants to be our friend, who wants to walk with us, who wants to forgive us. Jesus, I pray right now, holy by Your Holy Spirit, that You would speak to each and every individual in this place. Lord God, that this would not just be information, Lord God, but this would be formation, that You would shift something in people, that You would change something in people, that as they go out and walk in the sunlight and feel Your Son on their face, Lord, that they would know that they stand in forgiveness, that they stand in friendship, that they stand in in family. And Lord, I pray that there would be a passion begin to stir up inside of them to carry the message of reconciliation everywhere that they go. Jesus, we love You. We worship You. We give You all the glory. We give You all the praise. In Jesus' Name and everyone said, Amen. Come on, why don't we worship God this morning? Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.